This episode is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store. Welcome to Blurry Photos. I'm your host, David Flora. Welcome to a special episode, which has been in the works for a while now. I've received a handful of stories from you guys, along with the permission to share them. So it's time for Blurry Photos' first ever listener stories episode. It's a little weird. I've done the show for seven years now, and this is the first listener-specific show I think I've put together. We've heard some stuff from folks before in an old Ghost Stories episode, if I recall correctly. And that was a great time, but this show is going to be all you guys. It's mostly first-hand accounts and experiences, which many times end up being creepier than any fiction. Though we do have some fiction for this one, and a great poem for the end. I'm excited to share these with everyone, and if you've had an encounter or have a very short work of fiction, send them my way. Once I have enough, I'll do another show. Easy peasy. We will also find out at the end of the episode who won the 2019 Miss Cryptid Contest and who will be our three prize winners from those of you who voted. So stick around after the stories for that. This is also my last chance to remind you that I'll be moderating a panel at this year's Alien Con in Los Angeles on Friday, June 21st, 1020 a.m talking UFOs in podcasting. If you are near Los Angeles at all, you won't want to miss it. I'll be there with Hysteria 51, Monsters Among Us, Mad Scientist, Somewhere in the Skies, and Stuff They Don't Want You to Know podcasts. Then we'll be hanging out at the Scum and Villainy Cantina that evening after 7pm for a meet and greet. You can get a discount on your ticket online if you order and use the promo code SKIES, S-K-I-E-S. Check out thealiencon.com for more info. It's coming up quick, and it should be a lot of fun. (laughs) And don't forget, I've launched another show called Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. It's a trivia practice podcast, and my wife Annie and I read questions and answers, and once a month we have friends on to play head-to-head in our format. It's always a fun time, and you're guaranteed to learn something new, so check it out and subscribe to Quiz Quiz Bang Bang. So. We've cut the business part of the hair, now to comb and style the party in the back. I asked for experiences and stories to share, and these folks delivered. The following are five stories and one poem that were sent after I requested them. Thanks to Ashton, DW, Katie, Matthew, Gabriel, and Leo for these. Here we go. The first story comes to us from Matthew. When I was a kid, my dad and I would walk to the local library for a book and some ice cream on the way home. This story happened while I was about four, my dad tells me. One whole block in our neighborhood was very poorly developed, and actually was what I would call a forest, with one small abandoned ranch-style house 
kind of hidden in the middle of it. Well, one day we were walking, and my dad said he turned around to find me peering into the trees, looking like I was searching for something. When he walked back to ask what was going on, he told me I said the monkey had taken my hat. That was when he noticed I didn't have my hat on my head any longer, and figured that I must have thrown it into the woods, and he walked into the brush to find it. After about 15 minutes of searching and backtracking, he couldn't find it, and figured that I'd lost it earlier in our walk, and thought we'd find it on our way back. No dice. He tells me I insisted that the monkey had taken it, and that it gave him shivers to think something, or someone, had walked up and taken it off my head. Well, it doesn't end there. Years later, right after high school, I'd gotten a job at the ice cream store from when I was a kid, and was driving home after helping close up the store one night. After driving down the same road I lost my hat on, I noticed that a huge, lanky dog had run into the street light and just stood there. Since I was driving down a hill in a 1990 Buick that had brakes made from pancakes, I knew I would not be able to stop without hitting this dog first. It wasn't until my headlights finally hit the dog did I really notice something was wrong. I never saw any details. It just remained solid black. And then it stood up and ran like a human would. Once I managed to regain my heartbeat, I made it home and ran inside the house locking every door and window in the hopes it would keep me safe. Thank you for that, Matthew. That is pretty damn spooky. Makes you wonder if this monkey thing that four-year-old you saw back in the day was the same thing, right? Isn't that what, that's what we're all thinking, I think. <laughs> so as a kid, it looked like a monkey, maybe, if this is the same thing. Looked like a monkey, and then as a teenager, it seemed a little more dogmanish, is what it sounds like. If it was the same thing. And not two entities, and you're just in a hot spot on that road. <laughs> I was almost expecting you to say that before the thing ran off, it dropped something. And when you stopped and looked, it was your hat. That would have been freaky. Hey, thanks again, Matthew. This next one comes to us from Gabriel. Let me preface this by saying I'm a staunch skeptic and do not believe in the supernatural. That being said, ever since I was a little kid, I've had this memory of a strange happening that I can't explain. I know the simplest explanation is that I dreamt it up or something, but in my memory, this event truly happened. So make of it what you will. One of the first stuffed animals I had was a little plush reindeer. Prancer. Not Rudolph. Prancer. Got it? <laughs> I took it everywhere. 
so I had it with me one fateful night when my parents were heading to our local church for Bible study. I must have been four or five at the time, so they dropped me off in the nursery, where an adult volunteer was watching over all the little kids to make sure they stayed out of trouble. I remember they had a set of plastic buckets, all different sizes, so they could nest together and you could use them to build a sandcastle at the beach or whatever. And I think the buckets were all different colors and each had a different cookie cutter-like shape on the bottom so the kids could use them to learn shapes as well as colors. I don't know why I did this, but I remember putting Prancer under one of the overturned buckets so I couldn't see him anymore and swirling the bucket around in a circle clockwise. I remember hearing the stuffed reindeer bumping against the edges of the bucket as I moved it. But at some point, the sound stopped. When I picked up the bucket, Prancer was gone. The space under the overturned bucket was completely empty. Concerned foremost for my stuffed friend, I put the bucket back down and swirled it around again this time counterclockwise. After a moment, I could hear the noise once more of fabric bumping against plastic. Prancer was back. I was excited, so I called some of the other kids and the supervising adult over. I put Prancer again under the bucket, swirled it around clockwise, and sure enough, he was gone. My audience was amazed, so I grabbed another toy some green thing, I don't remember what it was, and put it under the bucket. A few swirls and it was gone too. I grabbed a third toy, a wooden block, I think. And once again, I made it disappear right in front of everyone. Now the final act. I swirled the bucket counterclockwise and the wooden block was back. I took it out, swirled the bucket again, and the green thing was back as well. I removed that, and swirled the bucket once more to retrieve my stuffed animal. Only Prancer didn't come back. I kept swirling the bucket, hoping to hear the noise of fabric bumping against plastic. But no matter how many times I tried it, nothing happened. I must have been pretty upset. I'm guessing I told my parents about it though I doubt my young mind had the presence to focus on the supernatural element of the story. I was probably just crying about my lost stuffed reindeer. Because a few days later, the next time we were at church, someone came to my parents and told them they'd found my stuffed toy. It was outside, lying in the grass, roughly outside the section of the building that contained the nursery. Now, as I said, I know that this can't have actually happened. I had to have dreamt it up or something. But the thing is, I remember lots of my dreams from that age, and memories of those dreams still feel like dreams. But this memory feels like a memory of an actual event, not a dream. I wish I could ask my parents if they remember that day, but I feel like if I say, hey dad, remember that time 30 years ago when I lost my stuffed animal and someone found it? He's probably going to give me a blank look whether it happened or not. I always think of this story whenever people ask if I've encountered anything supernatural. And to this day, I don't know what to believe. 
That's very cool, Gabriel. Thank you for sharing that. As I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe the stuffed animal got caught in the bucket, uh, kind of wedged up in the smaller part, because usually buckets kind of taper, right, as they go down to the bottom. Uh, so if you're swirling it around, there's a possibility it could get wedged and stop moving, and then when you pick it up, it looks like it's disappeared. Obviously, you can look inside the bucket and see it there. But then you came in with the element of two other things disappearing the same way. And that gets a little <laughs> harder to explain that things get wedged in there. So that's pretty cool. It also reminds me of that scene in, I think it's, oh boy, I th The Prestige. I think that's the one. There were two movies that came out about the same time, The Prestige and The Illusionist. Uh, the Prestige is the one that has David Bowie playing Tesla, Nikola Tesla. Remember that, uh, if you've seen it, where he's working on a, a sort of uh, um, teleportation machine and makes all the cats and the hats and stuff disappear, and then there's a big pile of them outside of his <laughs> house. That's kind of what this reminds me of. Mem memory's a tough thing. And one of these days, I think I'm going to try and do an episode all about memory. Um, and maybe I'll try to find you know, like a psychologist or something to talk to about it. But there's all, all kinds of studies that have been done uh, about memory and how weird it is. And it's a little scary at times to think what, uh, what our brains do. And I'm not saying that uh, this was a, a distorted memory or, like you said, a, a dream I, I, I don't know. You point out that, you know, it feels more like uh, a memory than a dream or a memory of a dream. But there's always that aspect uh, to it to consider. So I guess the question then is, if it happened the way you remembered it, can we go to Dollar Holler and pick up one of these plastic buckets and perform the same trick ourselves? Or was the magic in you all along? Hmm. And peace on earth was all it said. Uh, thank you, Gabriel. I appreciate that. Now here's a story from Ashton. Every late autumn, my father and I would visit his hometown where he grew up. It was a small town with very few inhabitants. Most of them had moved to the city due to the few workplaces available there. There were a few to almost no cars, almost no people, and lots of empty buildings and houses. In other words, a perfect place for a kid to go on adventures and explore. As I grew older, I needed to explore new places, and this time around I'd set my mind to explore some creepy places I knew about. I headed out one evening after it became dark. I walked about 30 minutes until I stumbled upon a little house just in the breach of the forest, not very far from the main road. It was an old, unattended house. I made my way up towards it. As I came closer, I could see that the house was rotten and the curtains were discolored. Clearly no one had lived in this house for a long time. I moved closer and peeked into the window. The house was a mess inside. Chairs were lying on the floor and pictures had fallen down. I turned around and started walking away. I had this 
creepy feeling that someone or something was inside that house. I started walking away, but deep inside I knew that I just had to check the door to see if it was open. After all, why was I even there if not for exploring? I turned around and went straight to the door. To my big surprise, it was unlocked. I opened the door and carefully peeked inside. Complete silence. I mustered the courage to go in. Once inside, I carefully looked around. Every room in the first floor was a mess, like someone had had a fight and had left in a hurry. The dining table had plates on it with something that may once have been food, but I couldn't make out what it was as it was rotten and smelled horrible. I picked up some of the photos lying on the floor. In one of the photos, there was a man. He was tall with long, ugly hair. I stared at the photo for a minute. It was almost like he was looking back at me with cruel intentions. Suddenly, I heard a loud thump coming from upstairs. I freaked out and ran outside. As I ran, a feeling of dread came over me, and I ran as fast as I could towards the main road. I stopped to catch my breath after I had reached the road. I knew it was best to just run and not look back. But before I ran, I had to look towards the house. To my great horror, I saw a dark silhouette standing in one of the windows. It was dark outside, so it was hard to make out exactly what I saw, but I knew that I had done something stupid. I ran back home. I could sense that something was behind me. Every once in a while, while running, I looked back and I saw what appeared to be a crooked shadow following me. I freaked out even more and ran as fast as my legs could carry me. Once home, I sat down in the kitchen and tried to calm down. After a short while, my father joined me in the kitchen. I tried my best to keep calm, but my father sensed that something was wrong. He asked if anything had happened. I told him I'd been outside exploring and that I'd stumbled upon an old house. At first, he didn't really seem to care until I told him what I had seen and where the house was located. He stared down into the floor for a while and then started to ask me a bunch of questions. What did you see? Did you go inside the house? When I mentioned the crooked shadow, my father froze. He told me to sit still. He quickly went outside. I heard him lock the door. After a couple minutes, he came back inside. I could tell from the look on his face that he was upset. I asked him, what's wrong? It took a couple of seconds before he answered, be quiet and follow me. We went to the outer entry and he slowly opened the front door. Listen closely and be quiet. Don't make a sound. At first, I didn't hear anything. But suddenly, I heard a sound coming from the forest surrounding the house. I had never heard anything like it before. 
It sounded like a man whispering and yelling at the same time. sound came from the left side of the forest, and seconds later it sounded like it was coming from the other side. I froze and couldn't move. My father grabbed me by the arm and pulled me inside, quickly locking the door. We went back inside to the kitchen and I sat down. I was shocked. My father stared at me and then he said, I have to tell you something. A long time ago, In the 1920s, my father was outside one evening, taking a long walk. He liked walking by the shore, looking at the ocean. On this particular evening, he had heard a man screaming from a distance. He ran to see if someone needed help. As he got closer, the screaming stopped. He searched the area for a while, and was shocked when he found a dead man lying washed up on shore. He was wearing the clothes of a mailman. They never identified him. After this incident, people would report hearing weird noises, what sounded like a muffled scream coming from that area where my father found the dead man. In the 50s and 60s, a couple of children had gone missing and were never found. He then said, back then our parents advised us not to go outside after dark as they were afraid the dead man had something to do with those children disappearing. He told me he didn't believe those stories until one time he was walking home from a party and saw a creepy silhouette standing beside a light pole. As he ran back home, he saw the silhouette follow him. At the doorstep of his home, he stopped, and that's when he heard the sound. It was coming from the forest. Two weeks later, he said his best friend went missing. They never found him. The only thing they found was his clothes, ripped asunder, inside an old bag made of cloth, lying in the forest. He told me we had to leave quickly. We packed our bags, ran outside to the car, and drove away. As we were driving, my father told me that according to the stories told by locals, a being such as this could follow one around the rest of his life. But the most important thing was to get away from the area. I haven't visited his hometown since then, and every time I asked him about the incident, he just told me never to speak of it. This all happened ten years ago. It was a dark and stormy autumn evening. The leaves were rustling and blowing outside. I was visiting my friend as usual, and this evening was no different. He had a big and beautiful house with two floors. We were sitting in the attic room, where we usually spent most of our time gaming, watching TV, etc. The attic also had a bathroom and a bedroom, In essence, almost everything needed to hang out and have a good time. We were sitting as usual in the attic room watching TV. 
Suddenly, my friend's phone rang. I could hear him speaking, but couldn't quite make out what he was saying since I had my headset on. After he hung up, he pulled off my headset and said that he just got called by a friend who wanted to play cards and asked if I didn't mind him going out for a little while. I'd been at his house alone many times, so I told him I'd just hang out at his place and continue watching TV until he came back. This had happened many times before, so I presumed this time around wouldn't be any different. I told him to lock the door just in case someone entered the house while I was playing video games with my headset on. He then left, locked the door, and I resumed my escape from reality. I sat for quite some time, and as I was emerged into video games, one often tends to lose track of time, and this time was no different. However, after a couple hours, I started thinking about how much time had passed. I checked my watch, and to my big surprise, two hours had already gone by. I thought to myself that if he didn't come back within an hour, I'd probably have to call him. Right before I put my headset back on, I heard the door shut downstairs. I shouted to my friend that I was upstairs, put my headset back on, and continued my endeavor. After a couple of minutes, my friend still hadn't come upstairs. I shouted again, this time around a little more aggressive as I started to get an eerie feeling. No response. I tried shouting again. Still no response, so I shouted, If you're trying to scare me, it won't work, so just stop. Still no answer. It took a couple minutes before I decided to go check downstairs. I walked slowly, trying to make out where my friend was hiding, but he was nowhere to be seen. I then proceeded to the outer entry. I checked the door, and it was locked. I knew my friend had brought a key with him, so it had to be him. I checked everywhere downstairs except the master bedroom. To get to the master bedroom, I had to go behind the stairs, through the bathroom, and then into a small corridor before arriving at the bedroom. As I came into the bedroom, I saw the closet door was open. I cautiously approached it, and just as I grabbed the closet door, I heard someone run up the stairs. I ran out from the bedroom, through the bathroom, and to the stairs. I saw no one, and it was completely silent. At this point in time, I was starting to get quite freaked out. I talked loudly as I went up the stairs, trying to calm myself. As I came upstairs, I checked the attic room. No one to be seen. I checked the bathroom, no one there, and it was then I looked towards the attic bedroom. I had closed the door earlier because I didn't like having the door open in case I saw something. The door was slightly open. I knew my friend had hid in the bedroom, and all I had to do was to open the door and the mystery would be solved. I carefully approached the door reached out to grab the door handle, but suddenly the door slammed shut, and I barely managed to pull my hand out of harm's way. I yelled to my friend that he was crazy, and I'd had enough. No one answered. I went downstairs, called my father, and waited for him to pick me up. I could hear someone walking upstairs in the bedroom, 
but at this point I didn't care. After about ten minutes, my father arrived. As we were driving back home, he asked me how my stay was. I replied it was pretty mediocre, nothing unusual. He commented that my friend had grown his hair, gotten very tall and gained a lot of weight. I replied, no, he's still skinny with short hair. It was then my father asked me, who was that tall person with the long hair standing in the window watching you as you were walking towards the car? Well, thanks for the trip to friggin' Creepy Town, Ashton. That's pretty spooky. I like it. Well done. Man, what a creepy idea. The, the thought of an entity, a malevolent entity, if it's making kids disappear, following you around through your life, and there's not really anything you can do about it. Like, you stumble on something innocently, and then you're, you're just effed from then on. And then the thing's mobile. No, no, don't get up. I'll come to you. <laughs> I like also that there's just enough details for your imagination to fill in what this thing looks like. You know, tall, kind of overweight, ugly hair. And then your mind is off to the races. Although it does kind of sound like Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Thank you, Ashton. Next up, we got one from Katie. Six years ago, a couple of my family members and I went and stayed at the Minger Hotel in San Antonio, Texas. If you've never heard of it, I highly suggest looking at the history, as it sits directly next to the Alamo. Sorry if my Texas pride bleeds through. Anyways, my older stepbrother and I were very aware of the fact that it's haunted and agreed to not sleep and just roam the hotel. We made our way down to what I remember as the second floor. When you come out of the elevator, or stairs, there's a giant table-slash-sitting area. There was a bunch of elderly people there playing cards, whom we hung out with till about 11.30. At about that time, we excused ourselves and took the hallway next to the table that led to more rooms. This hotel is famous for long, twisting hallways that seem maze-like. Everything was going fine until we started coming up to this corner. As we came up to it, I started getting chills, and then sweat and nausea. Just before we rounded the corner, this man suddenly appeared, walking briskly. He was dressed very nicely in a suit, with a brown leather briefcase. The moment I saw him, I had to get away. Something about this man scared the living hell out of me. We had passed other people in the hallway, so it wasn't that he surprised us. He didn't make eye contact or say anything, just walked between my brother and me. After a moment, we ran back to the elderly people and asked if they had seen this man. They said no one came by, which they surely would have seen as they stopped and said hello to everyone who came near. Hands down, the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced without explanation. 
one more small, similar thing happened. We went down to the lobby and talked to the staff, who happily told us their personal experiences. One of the people offered to take us on a tour of some hot spots. The first couple areas were cool, but nothing out of the ordinary. Then we were brought to the Sam Houston room, which is a conference room. The moment we walked in, I was hit with the same chills, sweat, and nausea. I quickly got out of the room and felt immediately better. I tested it out a couple times and the same thing happened. Walk in, sick, walk out, I'm good. We thankfully did not return to the aforementioned room or hallway the rest of our stay. Regardless, super amazing, beautiful hotel I highly recommend looking at. Thanks for sending that, Katie. That's pretty creepy. It's interesting in that you had two uh, two different locations for the same kind of feeling that you got. One was in a, a, a specific room, which you tested. Very cool of you to keep your wits and try it out to see if that's actually what it was. Almost like there's a, a field that you can enter into and exit out of. Uh, but then it sounds like this uh, man that you saw gave you the same feeling. And I'm wondering, do you think it was that spot in the hallway that did it, and then this man just happened to be by and maybe went into a room or, or somewhere else before he got to the elderly people? Or do you think it was uh, coming from the man himself, which is what it kind of sounds like you're saying? Now, the, f- the few things that I've seen about this place is that it was uh, a spot of a lot of death for the battle uh, at the Alamo. And some people have attributed, you know, paranormal goings on to stuff from uh, that time period. So it's interesting if this man who was wearing a smart suit and, you know, had a, a briefcase gave off uh, some kind of bad energy uh that would be you know pretty pretty direct quote unquote evidence for the uh the Alamo not being the only thing that could cause stuff like this to happen very interesting if i ever make it down to san antonio i'll definitely check this place out i also wonder if uh you said your your stepbrother was with you i i was wondering if he felt anything with that too uh, or if it's just you, you know. Some people say that uh, certain people are sensitive to that sort of stuff and others are uh, uh, dulled to it or, or can't experience it. So be interested to, it'd be interesting to have, uh, you know, more experiments like that. Thanks for writing in, Katie. I appreciate it. Got another one here, this time from DW. Hello, David. Hello. I've been meaning to write in about a few experiences I've had with shadow people through my life. I've had a lot, but none of them are from sleep paralysis like mentioned in their episode. My experiences with shadow folks are all more like typical ghost encounters, only instead of full-bodied, distinctly human figures, they were amorphous, shadowy, and vaguely humanoid. One of my earliest ones involved waking up in my crib and looking over at the rocking chair. I saw a shadowy figure sitting in it, rocking back and forth. This was so long ago I can barely remember any of the details. 
A few years after that, when I was around five, I was on vacation at my aunt's in Brigantine, New Jersey. She lived next to this abandoned house that had to have been built in the 20s or so. My older brothers, some neighborhood kids, and myself would regularly look through the windows and dare each other to try to get inside the place since it was so creepy. One time, the side door was open and we could see up a flight of stairs. I swear I saw a small, shadowy figure run across the hallway at the top of the stairs. At the time, I remember describing it looking like a tire. No one else claimed to see it. Many years later, I was dating a gal who claimed the back room in her basement was haunted. One night, I was sitting alone at her computer in the basement while she was upstairs in the bathroom or something. For whatever reason, I looked down the hall towards the back room and noticed something moving towards me. It was a shadowy figure about five foot tall. When it got to the end of the hall, it turned up the stairs, then paused for a second and appeared to look back at me with an amorphous head before continuing up the stairs. The weirdest thing about that experience was it wasn't scary when it happened. It just sort of was there, then gone. I think I let out an audible, huh. In some ways, it almost felt very natural. <laughs> it, ha- it wasn't bone chilling or terrifying in the moment. No cold winds or hair standing up. No sense of dread or malice. It was about as banal as seeing a squirrel in the park. Thinking back on it, it's certainly unsettling. The last one involved my old 86 Honda Accord. A lot of weird things happened in that car. It had been passed down through college students. Supposedly, it may have been involved in a fatal or near-fatal accident at some point, though I might be confusing that with the car I had after that one. Once, the hood flew up and off while my older brother was driving it. Nearly killed him, but the latch for the hood wasn't broken. I was driving home from a friend's house late at night and was on some back roads through farmland. It was probably around midnight. The roads are empty and dark, even for being in New Jersey. All of a sudden, I noticed something in my rearview mirror. It's like the silhouette of a person sitting in the back center seat. I, understandably, panicked but kept driving. I can't recall how long it was there but I remember eventually seeing headlights show up from far behind me. It was likely just some shadow cast by them mixed with a fuzzy memory. This was the last in a series of odd happenings in that car, as when I got home, the muffler just straight up fell off once I pulled into the driveway, and that was pretty much it for that car. The romantic in me likes to think the weird shadow I saw was its way of saying goodbye. Interestingly, once I moved out of New Jersey, I haven't really had anything paranormal happen to me, especially since moving to Washington. Ghosts just don't like me anymore, I guess. While I've had these experiences and others, I'm pretty willing to explain most of them away. Still, it's fun to have stories. Thank you, DW. That's wild. Because, from what you're saying, it sounds like uh, it was definitely a location-based thing. 
Just a lot of uh, shadow people hanging around New Jersey, I guess. I like that when you saw them, they're not necessarily like humans, but vaguely humanoid. And then that uh, you also didn't have a sense of dread every time. And like you said, <laughs> seeing something like that in the back seat of your car um, can cause your heart to kind of jump a little bit. But uh, it's good that you kept your head about you and uh, didn't let that cause an accident. And then you put a positive spin on it. My grandmother used to say she saw uh, people or kind of like shadow things or or sort of a mix between the two when she was older. She had uh, very poor eyesight and started suffering from Parkinson's. But she'd always tell me and my mom about how she would see people standing in her apartment. And sometimes she'd yell at them and throw things. I think she might have thrown things at them or tried to swing at them with something. And, you know, nothing ever happened. And I tried to question her. I was, boy, how old was I at the time? Seven or eight, maybe. Maybe a little, maybe a year or two older. I don't, it was around that time. And I was, so I was old enough to like question her and be interested in it while also kind of freaked out. Like you're, you're seeing people. Well, are they ghosts? Uh, is it shadows? What, what are you, t I was trying to like get to the bottom of what she was seeing. And she always, she, she never really like talked seriously about it. She was always like, oh, they're just people I see. And I'm like, you can't just say that. <laughs> you can't tell your grandson that who's, you know, young and probably freaked out. You can't just say, ah, yeah, there's, there's people standing right behind you. <laughs> what? I, I remember one time even like trying to like karate kick them or something. <laughs> I was like, did I do anything? Did, did they, did, did they double over in pain? And she's just kind of like laughed and was like, no. You're not doing anything to them. They're not doing anything to you. They're just there. Ah, I don't know. It was, um, <laughs> I don't know what to think of, of, of that, uh, that time. I don't know if she was messing with me. Uh, if she, if she believed what she saw, you know, I, it, <laughs> it's hard to say. It reminds me kind of, uh, kind of like this. She wasn't necessarily freaked out by it. I wasn't necessarily freaked out because I was like, what, what are you saying? <laughs> are you, are you just seeing things? Are you going crazy? Are these ghosts? Is this a trick? I, I didn't have enough information to be scared and I didn't ha not have enough information to be scared, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh man. I wish she'd have provided a little more detail on that one. Uh, we're going to end uh, listener stories here with a poem by Leo L. Something in the basement. There's something in the basement. Mother locks and bars the door. I think it's always been there, but I really can't be sure. Father claims there's nothing down there when I say that he should tell. But I can hear it pacing in its makeshift prison cell. I hear it in the nighttime, its plaintive cries and whines. So I sneak down to comfort it and tell it soothing rhymes. I read its songs and poems and tales from days long past. 
It tells me of the future, and the shadow I will cast. It tells me that when mother's gone and father's in the dirt, that I shall rise above all else, be free of pain and hurt. It promises me a fortune, that fame and glory will come round, if I would but release it from the glyphs that keep it bound. It tells me of grand armies that the two of us will raise. It tells me of golden tribute, of adoration, and of praise. It whispers to me of vengeance on the ones who've done me wrong, and begs me to imagine my name raised up in song. There's something in the basement. Its voice is warm and red. I can hear it argue sometimes with other voices in my head. It swears that it's an angel, and my parents keep it locked inside its earthly dungeon with magic symbols on the rock. If I would just erase but one, then we could both be free. And it promises that I will get everything that's coming to me. My mother says it's nothing. She claims it's just a draft. My father calls me silly. He pretends to scoff and laugh. But I feel their disquiet. I see the lie behind their eyes. The frantic, whispered conversations, their weak and childish alibis. I know they've always hated me. You see, they're jealous of my skill. They resent me for my talent and my strong, unyielding will. The thing claims that I am special, and with my parents out the way, if I would only let it out, I would never rue the day. I don't know if it is lying, but the deed is halfway done. Not sure if I should release the thing or get out on the run. For you see, mother drank the poison. I slipped it in her tea. And let's just say that father's had his last hunting trip with me. There's something in the basement. It wants me to let it out. I hear it sob and plead. I hear it scream and shout. It rages at the basement door. It begs to be set free. It simpers like a beaten dog and vows to worship me. But I think I'll leave it in there, although my parents aren't around, and I know that it is suffering. But in truth, I enjoy the sound. Oh yes, there is something in the basement, and that's where it will stay, until the Elder Gods return on the eve of Judgment Day. Thank you so much, Leo. That was awesome. I love the way you crafted that. (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you to everyone who sent me their encounters and stories and Leo for his poem. If you guys have an encounter to share, a short piece of fiction or something along these lines, please visit the contact page of the website and send it my way. If you've sent me an encounter and didn't hear it on this episode, Chances are I missed it along the way, and I apologize. Feel free to resend it via the contact page, and I can start a new collection for the next listener episode. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for all to be revealed. 
I have the results of the finals of the 2019 Miss Cryptid Contest. I have the names of those who entered to win the prize pack. And I have the wherewithal to announce the winners of both. This year, the finals had three incredibly different contestants battling for your adoration. From week one, we had the Nain Rouge. From week two, the Specter Moose of Maine. And from week three, El Silbone. In the end, one blood-stained contestant clawed its way to the top of the heap, as determined by you, the Blurrevers. The winner of the 2019 Miss Cryptid Contest is... The Spectre Moose of Maine! You may have thought it was down for the count, but if a slit throat and gunshots couldn't stop it, the competition in the miscrypted contest certainly couldn't. Congratulations to the Spectre Moose of Maine. And that means it's time to find out who is receiving a prize pack, courtesy of me, David Flora, and the Blurry Photos Podcast. All for participating in a fun beauty asterisk pageant. Asterisk actually ugly. The winner of the Miss Cryptid prize pack, including a cryptid crate, including swag, including a Golden Goatman Trophy replica, is... John! Possibly John O. J-O-N. Congratulations, John. I'll be in touch via email to confirm your address and such and all that good stuff with you. And now it's time to find out the runner-up who will receive a t-shirt and some stickers. This year's runner-up is... Lindsay! Congratulations, Lindsay! I will send you an email as well. And, of course, the Miss Congeniality prize of some stickers and stuff will be going to... Ryan! Possibly Ryan C. <laughs> I say possibly on these because I just have the first names and then I look at the <laughs> email addresses and that may be last names in there. I don't know. But Ryan has uh, won the miscongeniality. Uh, I'll be emailing you guys and uh, we'll, we'll get this stuff set up and get it on its way to you. Thank you guys. Congrats to everyone who won. Uh, thanks to everyone for voting and playing along. I think it was another great year and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And now the Spectre Moose of Maine joins the ranks of the Bat-Squatch, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, the Beast of Jevudan, and more. There's seven of these guys now. There's also talk, <laughs> there's also talk of doing a Royal Rumble of the winners at some point soon. So we'll see. We'll see if that happens later on in the year, maybe. Don't forget to follow Blurry Photos on all the social media outlets. And importantly, subscribe and throw five stars at the show. You guys, I'm awfully close to one solid Thildo on iTunes. 1,000 reviews. Help me get to that amazing benchmark. Special thanks to Tana or Tana for the kind email. I appreciate it. If you guys would like to support the show, 
which is free to listen to, but not at all free to produce, please consider joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash blurry photos. $5 a month gets you an extra episode. $10 a month gets you access to my monthly live stream, which is always a great time. And that happens on YouTube. And I think if you have a Gmail account, you can uh, participate in the chat. $30 gets you a Lego minifig of yourself, like the kind I use for my show art. And for $100, you get to be on a show where we can talk about fun, weird stuff and maybe some odd news that's out there. So please consider supporting my work through Patreon. If you'd like to buy me a cup of work juice, donate funds to coffee. That's ko-fi.com slash blurry photos to keep the liquid magic flowing. There's also a donate button on the website, so lots of ways to show some love. Thanks for listening, you guys, and keep an eye out for more fun stuff in the next month or two. I'm working on uh, a real cool episode that I'm really excited about, and I want to make sure I, I hit it right. Kind of like how I was with the Deglaka uh, episode. I poured a lot of time into that, and I want to do the same for this one because it's a cool subject, and it's coming up, and I'm going to tease it like that. There you go. <laughs> no idea what I'm talking about, but be excited for it. <laughs> Anyways, for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been the something in the basement, David Flora. Till next time. <laughs>